Oh, I have a headache. Is it worse about it? You said you got a headache? I have a headache. Maybe it's a tumor. It's not a tumor. You sure? Yes, I'm sure. Uh, it's a tumor. <laughs> uh, Happy New Year. Again. Because I'm sure it's a new year in some part of the universe or multiverse or whatever verse. Fact Daddy DVR Podcast. Yeah. So, <clears throat> probably going to go through episodes 4 through 12 of knowing, but I'm beginning to notice emerging patterns in the story. That I may have actually overlooked the first few times I've watched this show. And, of course, I might have mentioned this before, but if I didn't, nothing in this universe is static. So, my perspective on this show, from the original viewing and the repeat viewings, have changed if I have changed. The show itself remains whatever it is, but how I see it is completely different. Okay, so, going off of that, I also want to just quickly touch on this thing about the Absolute Observer. It has a different and broader context within the framework of the story, but I just want to address my observations regarding it. Ironically, yes, whatever. (laughs) Um, Just regarding the Absolute Observer... Any and all observations are made in the context of layers, and the layers issue concept application is pretty much this, that any statement that is applicable in one layer has no value on the next, meaning that ultimately any notion of separate realities, separate notions, separate things, are just notions, because each everything is part of a massive whole which is ultimately incomprehensible but any deductions made are purely for the fun of it because they don't encapsulate the absolute truth because you are not separate from the what you observe or what you experience so ultimately you're just experiencing yourself might tie into this idea of the selfless self but I don't know I think the selfless self would posit or be appropriately dubbed the absolute observer because the absolute observer couldn't possibly be a self as we know it but to function within the limitations of language you're gonna say a selfless self so I might have touched on it before. You get the slice of life stuff going on where Miho confounds an already emotional I and she begins to think that there's something going on between Isami and Haruka, which there isn't. Uh, Haruka, for whatever reason, being the dragon twerk isolates and limits time and travels into the future merely a few minutes and sees I looking for something that Isami gave her and that conflict also 
portends to greater conflict later in the story. I thought that was interesting, though, because the more I watch, the more I realize each and every thing placed in the story literally and directly correlates to something else. And I don't see that strength in a great many stories. You you have it, but its presence isn't as prevalent. Anyway, after all of that's resolved, you have another situation where the Dragon Knights are about to get take the Dragon Torque, which is Haruka, and a being... <coughs> I said, a, did I say a bean? He said a bean. Uh, a being called Noen from Shangri-La shows up and pretty much kicks the Dragon Knights' asses, including Karasu, and then they're all sent back to Lacrima, which is the dimension that they're from, and that dimension is supposed to be 15 years into the future of Haruka's current childhood dimension. So, and the point of knowing and Shangri-La is to erase all dimensions. So basically the cessation of what we call reality is no one's mission. And isn't that lovely? <laughs> um, and pretty much there's more conflict where that crazy guy, Tori, once again, he had, he makes a move. He does a major attack. And that major attack results in him almost getting killed, which would have been fortunate for everyone else. But it didn't happen. But he gets shuttered off. Time gets halted because Karasu goes crazy and kills a character called Isuka. Who is happy to die in our dimension because his war-torn Lacrima dimension is really sad and quasi-unstable. And what happens is basically Karasu goes crazy after fighting with Atori. And he damages a bridge with water that would have wiped the town of Hakodate out. But... Haruka being the dragon twerk, she reverses the process and halts time and then heals whatever damage he would have done. Ultimately, she gets weakened by the experience and she and Katasu get taken back to Lacrima. And when they arrive in Lacrima, Karasu refuses to surrender Haruka to the dragon soldiers. This pisses them off. And it turns out that a future eye is one of the leaders of this world of Lacrima. And she she's the one who explains to Haruka that her world from Haruka's perspective is fifteen years into the future. And that basically 
revolution occurred in Haruka's world where there was a quantum instability and I'll explain more of it I'll just explain it how I feel like explaining it uh, I try to make it linear but I don't really fully see things in a linear fashion so I'll perpetually circle back life is repetitious anyway it's how you encounter the repetitions and what your reactions are that dictate what your sense of being is so let's go with that <laughs> and pretty much Haruka's the daughter of a scientist scientist was part of a project called the magic circle project throughout these episodes you'll see a cop and a scientist always working together and the scientist works on a committee that is related to the magic circle project and the cop was just there representing the government because it's a joint project wherein industries want the transportation technology of quantum manipulation of transportation and the government would like it for military purposes yay so Haruka's father apparently was involved with the project up to a point where he saw how dangerous it was and chose to extricate himself from the project that's revealed about seven episodes from alright six episodes from where I'm currently discussing but again I'll stick within a framework you know you know with little intimations that her father's a scientist these people are looking at quantum data and trying to analyze and understand what's going on so back in Lacrima where you see future I and boy she's not a uh, the friendliest chick in the universe but she does tell Haruka about some of those circumstances and then you have some other issues one they allow Katasu to live they don't exterminate him but he is imprisoned and within the framework of that imprisonment They just, you know, they talk to him about how the Haruka that he's perceiving is an illusion and she is part of his past and that past is a projected illusory past because of Lakuma's intervention in that Haruka's dimension. So, that and... There's intimations between Isami and I that, or not even, no, my bad. It's intimations between Karasu and I regarding Haruka, and then Isami and I have a discussion, and he intimates that they've let down or betrayed Haruka before currently going up through half the series up to episode 12 they don't indicate the precise reasoning of this so I will discuss that in the next incarnation of this podcast which will be at some point in time 
which doesn't exist anyway. Hardy har har. So, you get that stuff in the episode, and then Katasu fucking goes insane, breaks out of his prison, kicks the shit out of a bunch of people, brings Haruka back to her reality, and severs his ties with Lacrima. Woohoo! Then you you kind of get integrated into a slice of life aspect with the eighth episode, which deals more with how Yu's mother is kind of crazy because her older sister died and she felt that her mother did not love her, whereas her mother was just worried about her and was just mourning her sister, and she took that the wrong way. And she acted like a normal mom until two years from the present storyline cycle where two years ago her mother died. And when her mother died, all her issues with her sister came to the fore and she projected them onto you and wanted him to succeed scholastically so that he could honor her her mother and his aunt so I don't fully comprehend it but I do understand the projection notions and she needed some healing and Haruka used her dragon court <laughs> torque <laughs> not cork dumbass <laughs> yeah she used the dragon torque to basically not consciously at first, mind you, but she projected Yu's mother back in time so that she could see her impressions of situations were erroneous. And in fact, her mother did love her. And in fact, she had forgotten important things that might shape or influence her perspective on the situation. While this might not seem that vital... It becomes vital. And again, I kind of overlap and mix the episode's experiences because I tend to take them in their totality. That's one of the reasons I like the story is just as a totality, it's it's beautiful and metaphysical and it, and it delves into some complex notions when applied to a visual reality. Like imagine... Uh, going to war with your friends and going to war with yourself and then supporting yourself and supporting your friends but going to war with them simultaneously and it's them and it's you and it's different versions of you and different versions of them and you're all converging and interacting from a multiversal quantum point of view and yet you still have a crush on a girl and you want to get a sandwich and those type of things so it gets a little crazy and of course as it turns out Yu's mother and Haruka's mother are best friends and they get drunk and Yu's mother lightens up and lets him choose his own fate and ultimately he still chooses to study and try to go to Tokyo for middle school so 
yeah see what I mean you go from leaving another quantum dimension that's 15 years in the future call it Lacrima to coming back to this world and she has to help she being Haruka help you out because he ran away from home again and his mom came looking for him and then that's how all this other stuff happened so it didn't really happen in a straight line and it didn't happen in a circle it might have happened in a wave or it might have happened in a particle and that depends on your point of view because you're your own observer <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> pretty much after that a lot of crazy stuff happens um they delve more into the nature of the idea of how there can't be a direct observation of quanta and how certain traveling through uh, interdimensional traveling I suppose would only be possible through a lack of stability and some of you might be familiar with the idea of uh, certain quanta quarks or I know there was another specific term it eludes me now but basically you have this extraordinarily small piece of matter and while we we think we see it like you think the world is a solid physical thing you're sitting on a bed, you're holding a microphone, you're doing this, you're doing that. But the reality in terms of layers is that nothing is actually stable and that these particles, which is just what I'll call them for now, I know it's erroneous, but you got to work with me. So these particles, they're traveling throughout the universe all the time at rapid speeds and they're never actually stagnant or still they're just still long enough to leave a trace of a semblance of a presence but actually they're everywhere and nowhere simultaneously so that makes it interesting so what ends up happening pretty much is that Atori keeps trying to kill everyone and Sad but true, there's a nasty fight between Isami and Karasu. Uh, the fight is interrupted by Haruka, and then is interrupted by Atori, who appears to be destroyed, going up to episode 12. But he's not destroyed. But I don't know how that resolves itself, I don't fully remember. Suffice it to say, he's ousted. Everything seems cool. Isami agrees to help Karasu until no one comes and fucking kills him. Yeah, that's a spoiler. <laughs> um, I mean, I might try to refrain a little bit from further spoilers, but again, this show is like, I don't know, 14? Is it 14 years? It might be 14 years old, so it's okay for me to drop spoilers on a show that's 14 years old because again you still have to see it for yourself um, because you have your own observation skills and such but anyway that's kind of where it leaves off at 12 again there's a lot of other elements going on to it like when they were in Lacrima you get the time lapse thing they felt like she was gone for 3 hours she felt like she was gone for days 
Um, the fact that she could tell who people were. It's, it was very plain. The fact that you get a little more background into some of the characters and their connections. All those elements are at play. So the story just gets a little more dissonant and a little more jagged in terms of, wow, there's a lot going on here. Like, they're, they take different elements of things a little further and that they have actual future versions of these characters battling it out with each other and themselves over a reality that they're a part of but that is just a divergent version of another reality and that's ad infinitum going both ways because one of the interesting things explored and discussed was that dimensions have dimensions of their own which have dimensions of their own so again it's, it's kind of like the embedded babushkas or those little Russian dolls or like an onion within an onion within an onion <laughs> you, you have many 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 layers within layers the infinite variations of the self expressed so where the story goes and the dimensions added now we're at the halfway point so and the fluidity of the storytelling's kind of got me twisted up a little bit because something about the Magic Circle project portends that when you try to manipulate quanta to a certain degree, it twists and distorts dimensions. And that twist and distort, distortion, bleh, the winters got me beat, folks, I'm sorry. Those, uh, those twisted dimensions and the distortions in said dimensions destabilize whatever stabilizes the quanta that create the field that holds together every possible infinite reality so that might be it for now regarding this I'm gonna definitely plow through the rest but I mean I'm not gonna try too hard to do so um, I appreciate every person who listens and uh, we'll see how many episodes come together for the next time but it's definitely a show that you should watch if you're interested in time travel and the application of potential hypotheticals into potential realities and things of that nature and plus, it's just a good fucking show. Of course, that's my observation. Adios, amigos. Until next time. Ciao, too.